The Hamlet Podcast, episode 56. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Macbeth, with me your host, Connor Hanrity. No sooner has the English doctor departed, following his glowing description of the goodness of King Edward, another messenger arrives from Scotland. This time, it's Ross. We might recognise him, since we saw him very recently at the castle in Fife, but for some reason, nobody else on stage does. Macduff, his kinsman, don't forget, has to ask, See, who comes here? Ross is dressed like a Scottish person, at least, so Malcolm can acknowledge him with, My countryman, but yet I know him not. So Malcolm doesn't recognise him. By now Ross is close enough that Macduff does manage to see who he is, and he greets Ross with, My ever-gentle cousin, welcome hither. Remember, all is jolly here in peaceful and blessed England. Ross might need a cup of tea, or a stiff drink. Now Malcolm realises, or remembers, who this is, and likewise speaks some pleasantries. I know him now. Good God, betimes remove the means that makes us strangers. This is a tricky line. It could mean something like a prayer, Malcolm wishing that God might remove the reason for him barely recognising Ross, Macbeth's reign and his exile in England. Or, more practically, some have suggested that Ross is wearing something that masks his face or appearance, and prevents Malcolm from recognising him at all. Whichever meaning might work, Ross answers it simply with, Sir, Amen. Macduff and Malcolm have both been away from Scotland, and so they're eager for news. So Macduff asks, Stand Scotland where it did? Is Scotland still in the same state as when he left it? Ross answers, Alas, poor country! Almost afraid to know itself, it cannot be called our mother, but our grave, where nothing, but who knows nothing, is once seen to smile, where sighs and groans and shrieks that rend the air are made, not marked, where violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy, the dead man's knell is there scarce asked for who and good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they sicken. This is quite an extraordinary description of a suffering country. Shakespeare doesn't here go for the political, but for the personal cost of a nation suffering under the yoke of a tyrant. Ross says that Scotland is almost afraid to know itself. Fear and suspicion are rife, and the country is no longer taking care of itself. It cannot be called their mother, that nurturing spirit, a country that fosters growth and provides support or care. Instead, he says, it is like their grave. Shakespeare likes to make this grim juxtaposition. There's an equally arresting moment in Romeo and Juliet when Friar Lawrence says, the earth, its nature's mother, is her tomb. What is her burying grave? that is her womb. A place of life is the antithesis of death. Womb and tomb are the two extremes of the human experience, and Scotland seems right now only to be the latter of these two. 
a grave where nobody even smiles anymore, except those who are completely ignorant of what is happening, where nothing, but who knows nothing, is once seen to smile. Instead of smiles, this Scotland is full of sighs and groans and shrieks which seem to slice through the air. All of these cries are so frequent that they are not marked. Nobody pays any attention to them any more. Violent sorrow seems a common ecstasy. This has become the norm these days. I was a bit excited about the mention of the dead man's knell and for whom it tolls here. I was hoping to be able to tell you that maybe there's an echo of John Donne's poem that ends with Send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee, no man is an island, and so on. I'm reading a new biography of the great poet and his works, so this is probably why he's on my mind. Unfortunately, John Donne's poem dates from at least a decade after this play, so there probably isn't much correlation between the two thoughts. Ross is just saying that the knell of the funeral bell rings so often these days in Scotland that people don't even ask for whom it's tolling. And good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they sicken. This is also quite bleak. Men are dying faster than the flowers in their caps, and they're dying before they show any sign of sickness. So people aren't dying of old age or illness. The hint here is that they're not dying of natural causes. Now, he may not quite be John Donne, but Macduff acknowledges how nicely Ross has spoken, and he says, Oh, relation too nice and yet too true. Ross is speaking and relating his news too poetically for the horror that's going on in Scotland. It's too nice and too true. Malcolm pragmatically asks, What's the newest grief? What kind of an update might Ross have for them? We in the audience are on the edges of our seats now, since surely Ross must know what happened in Fife. He doesn't let on, though. Instead, he continues, That of an hour's age doth hiss the speaker. Each minute teems a new one. Griefs in Scotland are appearing so frequently that one that's an hour old is already past it. It's old news and likely to be hissed off the stage for boring the audience. It's hard to keep up, and our old news is already out of date. There's a new grief every minute. Now, now, Macduff has to ask, how does my wife? Maddeningly, Ross answers, why, well. Relieved by this answer, even if we aren't, Macduff continues and asks, and all my children? Well, too. So Macduff makes sure. The tyrant has not battered at their peace. I've heard this line for many years. I know it well. And yet, reading it again, I have to acknowledge that it's brilliant. The tyrant Macbeth battering at the peace of their home in Fife. It's such a succinct image, it's easy to pass over it. But it's precise and perfect. And unfortunately, it sets up this answer from Ross. No, they were well at peace when I did leave them. Technically, 
Dismally, this is true. But it's also a total lie after what we saw happen right after Ross, who maybe could have stayed to help, got out of there before the murderers arrived and slaughtered Macduff's family. At peace is a really frustrating piece of equivocation here. What Ross is saying is not a lie, but it's a very shifty version of the truth. Clearly, Ross is not too good a liar or an equivocator, and Macduff senses something is off. He tells Ross not to be stingy with the information and tell them everything. Here, he uses a word that sounds very troublesome to our contemporary ears, if you think you mishear it. The word is niggard. Let me be very clear about that D at the end of the word. It's spelled N-I-G-G-A-R-D. It comes from medieval Scandinavia, so it's a very old word, and it means someone stingy or ungenerous or miserly. It has nothing to do with the N-word that has very rightly become taboo and quite unspeakable. Macduff asks Ross not to be this, not to be stingy with his speech, and tell them what's really going on in Scotland, because he knows that there's something Ross isn't telling them. We are on tenterhooks now, wondering what Ross will say next. His answer makes it worse. Ross says, When I came hither to transport the tidings, which I have heavily borne, there ran a rumour of many worthy fellows that were out, which was, to my belief, witnessed the rather, for that I saw the tyrant's power afoot. Now is the time of help. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers, make our women fight to doff their dire distresses. He's saying that as he travelled to Scotland, when he came hither, to bring his news, which weighs so heavily on him, he says, as he did so, he heard a rumour of many worthy fellows that were out. This means men who were now in open rebellion against the Macbeth regime. Not only that, the rumour was corroborated by what he saw himself, that Macbeth's own army was afoot, or on the march. So, if Macbeth is rallying his troops and sending them out into the fight, it is because he knows that he's going to have to take on an enemy, presumably the many worthy fellows that are gathering to fight for Scotland against Macbeth. Now, says Ross, is the time of help. Now is when they're going to need reinforcements. If Malcolm were to come back to Scotland, he would inspire more people to fight and create or inspire more soldiers. Women would also fight in the hope of throwing off all these distresses that afflict the country. In answer to this, Malcolm has good news. Be it their comfort, we are coming thither. Gracious England hath lent us good Seward and ten thousand men, an older and a better soldier none that Christendom gives out. Let it comfort them to know that Malcolm is indeed coming back to Scotland. Not only that, the gracious King of England will be lending them ten thousand men to fight for the cause, led by good Seward, a name we'll be hearing a good deal in the coming acts. There is no older and no better soldier in Christendom. Yet again, we're getting a reminder or an echo of God and the angels and Saint or King Edward and now just about all of Christendom and Seward 
all being on Malcolm's side to fight against the devilish Macbeth. So this should be good news, and all should seem well, right? Of course not. Finally, finally, Ross makes moves to tell the real truth. He says, Would I could answer this comfort with the like, but I have words that would be howled out in the desert air, where hearing should not latch them. He wishes he could match the comfort that Malcolm will bring to Scotland with similar dispatches from home. But now he's revealing that actually he has words, or information, that are so awful they should be howled into the desert air where nobody could ever hear them. His report is so bleak that he's wishing he could scream it in the wilderness rather than deliver it now. And since Ross has made us wait this long, it seems only fitting that we hold off and save his grim news, which we already know, for next week's episode. Poor Ross, the play's messenger, has such a miserable job to do. It should be a great part, but it always gets overshadowed by the various actors who are the ones hearing the news that he delivers throughout the play. We'll give him his due in the next episode, and I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>